This podcast discusses difficult topics that may not be appropriate for all listeners. We are not doctors or therapists. None of our content should be construed as medical advice, nor as a substitute for professional help. Names and other specific identifying details are often changed for the privacy and protection of our guests. Our guests' experiences are shared as they experienced them. Opinions may not reflect the opinions of Beck and Ella or this podcast. There will also be adult language used. Lots of it. Listener discretion strongly advised. Hello, and welcome back to our show. How are you doing, Ella? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. We have something a little bit different today. We have a two-parter. Exciting. Very different. We have two guests with us whose stories intertwine a bit. Um, So that's going to be fun for this week and next week. So without further ado, I will introduce Fred and Roxy. How are you two? Doing all right. Thanks. Doing good. Thank you. Awesome. Can one of you tell us um, how you know each other? Oh, sure. Uh, Fred and I have been friends for a very long time. Uh, We met each other in high school, actually, high school friends. We had the same circle of friends in high school and just been kicking it ever since working together um, on different like creative projects too throughout the years on different things and just stayed really tight over the years because we have a lot in common and and again just same sense of humor like fred and i have the exact same sense of humor too so that's helpful 30 years 30 years going back gosh yeah man that's crazy yeah yeah we literally watched each other grow up (laughs) yeah like through all the things i've watched the struggle like yeah yeah (laughs) That's yeah. awesome when you've been friends that long. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah. For sure. Well, then, Fred, uh, take it away. Give us a little bit of background on you and then tell us about how you met your narcissist. Sure. I am uh, middle-aged today. <laughs> <laughs> Just as of today. Just as of this very day, actually. I turned <laughs> this very moment. <laughs> And um, for my part of the story goes back about 20 years, and which is crazy to me to even think about. It's actually 18 years, uh, technically. At the time, I was in my early 20s. I was living the way people in their early 20s lived, which was I had a restaurant job. Mm-hmm. I was in a band. I did lots of drugs and I did lots of drinking and lots of partying and had a fan fucking tastic time. Sex, As drugs, and rock and roll. Woo! Yes, mm-hmm. in that order. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I had a, a really bad car accident um, when I was 23, and it was the culmination of having too much fun. But too much fun became not a whole lot of fun real quick. But luckily, thankfully, gratefully, only hurt myself, but I hurt myself pretty good. Was unable to walk. Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah, yep. yep. I remember. Yeah. remember. Unable to walk, um, unassisted for a good uh, eight or nine months. I went from bedridden to a walker to a cane before I was able to finally walk unassisted. And that was a whole lot of fun without health insurance and all kinds of other things. I tell this story starting there because it makes sense for where my mindset was at the time when I met Farah. This accident really slowed me down, obviously. It kind of smacked me out of my partying days in my youth. 
really had a lot of trauma that came with that accident. Riding in cars was nerve wracking for me for a very long time. Really bad first couple of years after that accident. I cannot ride shotgun without being really jumpy. You know, when I was able to get on my feet again, start looking for work, I obviously wasn't working the whole time I wasn't walking and that kind of thing and was recovering. Um, but once I was healed, I had a friend of mine was uh, connected in with a Roxy. They were working, uh, you were working at the local paper at the time. Mm-hmm. So our local newspaper and they had an opening in their newsroom for tech support. So I'm a big old geek and have been around computers my entire life. It was usually the guy that people came to for computer related things. So this job opportunity came for tech support and it was like I at that time I had only worked in um, like a garden center for like a little while at a garden center like and when you're a teenager and high school is not real work. It's smoking weed behind the hemlocks and like, <laughs> that kind of stuff. And I worked in restaurants. Um, I never had a kind of corporate put on a collared shirt kind of job before. But this one, like it sounded awesome. It kind of just it was an opportunity that came to me. And so I decided just to take a leap and look at it. The pay was way more than anything I had ever experienced before <laughs> in my life at that point. So I, was, I went for it and I got the job. So that was a nice little, little circle thing. Like I was at, I'm working with my friend Roxy from high school and we're like cracking up when we see each other in the hallways and then the cafeteria lunch and that kind of thing and yeah during this time, I'm totally like focused on my career. I'm studying in my spare time and moved out of my folks house. I had to move back in there after the accident and while I was healing up, but I was finally able to get out of there and afford a nice little basement apartment at a place. And I moved in there with my best friend at the time. And it was good times for, for like a good, like year and a half of just, I was, I was balling out. I had no fiscal responsibilities. I had no car note i was just like the rent was cheap back then you know it was like the rent in the, yeah. in the early 2000s was just uh you know oh it's beautiful yeah it was yeah for kids that may be listening and don't know you could actually work a restaurant job or an entry-level job at the paper and still afford an apartment and a vehicle and gas to get there. I know it sounds crazy, but it was real. That's it was how it real. Was. It was very yeah. real. Yeah. I remember paying $500 in rent and I worked at a restaurant and I lived by myself. Yeah. It was totally real. It could be done. Mm-hmm. And can still afford all your own party favors. Hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Truth. Uh, and all things are relative. The The pay was good compared to a restaurant job that I was doing well, socking money away, which is like crazy for me. Unheard of, but really going into that mode. Living that life for a good while, kind of just calm, you know, not like big, crazy parties or anything like that but just coming home playing video games with the roommate you know maybe going out and catching a show or something but coming back and chilling and you know it was it was a quiet life that i was kind of moving in the right direction it felt or at least things were okay at the time especially coming off of that accident and having lived through that and all i kind of felt like all right i've left this chapter behind and i'm i'm feel like i'm moving down the right path my roommate and i at the time pepe he was from out in the south West ended up out here in the South through really crazy inexplicable circumstances. And that's his story. But uh, me and him rolled around for quite a while. And uh, he was my roommate for a couple of years. And he plays a part in this tale as well. So we all had a mutual friend at that time, Mindy. 
she would come over with a couple of other friends of ours. We kind of had this crew that we just watch Family Guy DVDs and play video games and stuff together. And that was like the extent of our shenanigans. Like it was, it was pretty low key, but it was fun. Anyway, Mindy was one of the ones that was a regular over at our place during that time. It was around Christmas time one year and she called me up and she said, Hey, one of my old childhood friends is in town, has just moved back and is single or is like looking to be single soon. Important distinction. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, one I didn't, it's one I didn't make the time, but it actually ended up being really important. Like, I, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't gloss, don't gloss over that way. Like, it's a <laughs> soon to be single friend of hers. Um, hey, uh, you've been single for quite some time, and at that time, I I was in a serious drought. I mean, a drought to end all droughts. It was it was Sahara in my life, and part of I mean, part of it is from lack of trying. I really wasn't going out and doing the social scene. I was like not into going out and getting hammered, and I was coming to grips with how much alcohol and drugs played in my socializing and being comfortable around people. I was a recluse, even though we had lots of people coming over and hanging out regularly. I was in that house i was in that basement apartment almost all the time if i wasn't at work every now and then there'd be like a music show we'd go out to or something like that but even then it wasn't like we'd go out and just get crazy i was single had been single ways before the accident even yeah i was uh, i was willing to entertain uh, a <laughs> drop of water uh you know if please sir can you have some <laughs> I'll dabble in this notion. I'll see what you, what's, what's, what's going on here. I get it. You're like, ooh, a bouquet of red flags for me? Aw. Accurate. <laughs> so you got like, in my head at the time, the universe had handed me some stuff like after this accident to kind of get me back on my feet. This felt like another one of those things. Maybe I that was random. There was no ramp up to this. It was just out of the blue one day. And it was like, all right, maybe I should listen to that, you know. <laughs> and so <laughs> question the source is the lesson learned there. But so nevertheless, uh, Mindy brought over her uh, childhood friend, Farah one evening. Farah was, uh, as I was told at the time, coming out of a relationship, right? That was the way it was told to me. She still lived with the guy, but was moving out. He was in the process of moving his stuff out. She was in the process of moving her stuff over to her mom's. So that was like, okay, that's pretty done. Stuff is being moved. U-Hauls have been rented. <laughs> We're in the clear. Right. <laughs> but I wasn't it, it, at the time. I mean, honestly, at the time, it, it didn't matter. I was willing to chomp on the first carrot that was dangled in front of my face, which is where I was at. She was too, apparently. <laughs> there was there was not dating. There was not <laughs> any like of the traditional kind of courting ritual that goes on with couples and all. It was like we met each other and was like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> we're just gonna we're gonna whirlwind romance for here that's what we're gonna do yep yep oh shit i have a roommate oh my god that's right he'll understand i'll talk to him about that later it's fine move in, move in. come on move in 
Um, that did not happen the first night. There was not talks of moving in, uh, but the move in was like within the first couple of weeks. Mm. So that's how crazy fast this was. You pulled a lesbian U-Haul. I did. I was just going to say our resident lesbian over here is like U-Haul. I know about U-Haul. I know a lot about it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, so me and uh, me and Farrah very quickly had this thing going on. I mean, we were boyfriend, girlfriend very quickly. All things moving forward full steam. Saying all that, there was like no time in there really to get to know a person <laughs> or like the interview process <laughs> figuring out you know, vetting background checks talking to other friends besides mindy whose own relationship choices are dubious and that becomes even more ironic later in the story <laughs> <laughs> and uh, things were in that whole nre dopamine haze of well this is certainly better than the way things were before because i have this you know influx of physical affection and things for those who uh, don't know what nre is and have maybe never dabbled in a poly community nre because poly people love acronyms stands for <laughs> new relationship energy mm. and it's <laughs> that time in the beginning of a relationship mm. um where you're really excited and you don't see you know red flags and all of those things and for Taylor Swift fans, it's Lavender Haze. Right? It is Lavender Haze. Yay! Yep. Yay! <laughs> NRE is actually, it's one of those like acronyms that just makes me instantly angry when I... <laughs> I'm it's, surprised you said it. It's like, it is descriptive. It, like, it does such a purpose as far as what's going on there. But that was what was going on there. It was really within my first month after she moved in that my uh, roommate, Pepe, had had enough. I mean, like, I, I feel to this day kind of regret about how that all went down. One day, we're all just playing video games and making fun of the Chappelle show and all that. And then the next day, my best friend is not there anymore. He is in the bedroom if he's here. And if he's not here, he's, you know, I was gone. I was gone. Like, I, I abandoned him, basically. There was no, wait for it, unity. Ah! <laughs> ah! Hey, <laughs> there was not. There was not. Was, uh, but also, fuck Dave Chappelle. Well, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anywho, so uh, about a month into that situation, my roommate Pepe had, had all he could stand. Instead of having a talk with us about it, I love him to this day. <laughs> His reaction to it was always hilarious to me. He just started eating Ferris food. <laughs> like, not buying his own, not touching mine or anything, but just her food in the house to the point that it was like, all right, man, come on. This is obvious. And so in like three days of that, it was like, dude, and we had to sit down and the sit down went terrible. And there was lot of screaming and tears and then he said all the things that he had bottled up for that past month and for a bit longer and i said a lot of things that i didn't really mean to say at the time but did and farah was off there in the middle of it and we all looked like some fucking episode of cops out in our gravel driveway just <laughs> if you don't know just 
I remember, like, and it was like pouring down rain while this is happening. So it was like totally a scene and it was bad. And the, the aftermath of that was big to this day, <laughs> to this day. <laughs> the aftermath of that was that Pepe moved out immediately. We didn't renew our lease, which was ending like just imminently after all this went down, like within days or weeks or whatever of this going down. He moved to uh, back out to the Southwest and enlisted in the National Guard. And I haven't heard from him been like over 10 years now at this point it's really sad yeah mm-hmm. and there was a while there where like, i could kind of keep up with like, how he was doing through our mutual friends and all that and then eventually like just a few years ago he cut off the few remaining of those that were over on this side of the country and so last we knew he was kind of up in the northwest doing his own thing it sucked but that was one casualty of that <laughs> of that relationship that was the first casualty of the relationship mm-hmm. was uh, my friend Pepe. He, I had mentioned before that we had this circle of friends that always came over and we did things regularly. Well, obviously that put a hamper in that and that kind of stopped happening and me and Farah went into nesting mode. We ended up moving out of that place into her grandfather's house over on a better side of town and it was rent was cheap because it was family owned and all that and her grandfather was in assisted living at that time but he still had this property and so we would just be the stewards of this property for a good price for a while and so we moved all of our stuff into there set a date for the wedding which was going to (laughs) be just a few months and so we're talking like the wedding date set within the first three months of us being together you know I think it was like in the first two months that it was set and it was set Mm -hmm. basically on the six month anniversary because you're being responsible to wait you know till at least the six month mark you gotta have nice round numbers. <laughs> During all this time, Pepe was the only friend to basically just bounce on me at this point, and rightfully so. But uh, all the rest of the friends stopped coming over to the house and us doing things, but we were still a tight group at that time. At some point before we moved out and getting close to around the wedding time, actually, it was like just a, a month or maybe a month and a half or so before that, my other best friend at the time he who shall not be named (laughs) had a couple of very tight male relationships that i had had for years and we had a very solid tight bond for a long time he was one of those he who shall not be named pepe was one that was brought into that fold i've been friends with he who shall not be named for even longer Mm -hmm. so he who shall not be named he was my in on that the newspaper job Mm -hmm. all during this time in me and him are still friends. After the Pepe situation went down and all that, he who shall not be named was coming over more often. I was mm-hmm. hanging out with him more often. I was I was licking my wounds from that one a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then like stuff started happening. Like I would come home from work and he who shall not be named was already there, just hanging out on my couch. And I'm like, oh, did you get it early? Yeah, I just thought I'd swing on by or whatever. Okay. While Pharaoh was there at the time, like I seriously, it, it nothing even entered my mind. Mm-hmm. I was incapable of thinking that way about my relationships at the time. Mm-hmm. 
I did not even have, I don't even want to call it naivety because I wasn't naive to that kind of thing. Like I could sit there and point to any of my friends and be like, red flag, red flag. But as far as I was concerned in that situation, it was just not, that is not who I was associating with was people that would do that kind of thing. Right. Trusted. There was trust. Big trust and unconditional trust at that time. Like it was, I mean, Mm -hmm. it was childlike in its way. The trust of a young person who has not been (laughs) fucked over enough yet trust of a young person yes who hasn't been yeah who hasn't had that lesson yet yeah it's a beautiful time that's very accurate yeah so that kind of stuff is starting to happen you know i i honestly did not think anything of it, it happened a few times mm-hmm. like and i really less than i could count on my hand and it was really his personality type was such that it was not beyond the realm of reality for him to show up a little bit early and as far as uh, my relationship with him we had like, never had any kind of falling outs or spats our relationship issues with who he was dating or who I was dating or anything. Were y'all married by then? Yeah, yeah, we were married by then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was married to Lord Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! Um, <laughs> the wedding is coming up all right we go i get married i get married in my mother-in-law's backyard it's very small ceremony it's hot it's late september it's 98 motherfucking degrees and 100 percent humidity and everyone's miserable and soaking wet he who shall not be named was our photographer for the wedding it was fun but it was also the first inkling i started to kind of have I'm pretty sure my friend group does not like Farah even a little mm-hmm. bit. <laughs> I had already noticed and known that if I was being honest with myself, it went way back before when mm-hmm. my Pepe was like, dude, but it was easy for me to be like, you're just a single hater. Yeah. You're not going to fuck those up for me. Mm-hmm. And your friend group really wasn't all that fond of Mindy. Correct? No, no. Um, and <laughs> at that time, no. And for the reason was that, that she was infiltrating. Yeah, at that time, it was she was in a toxic relationship, in a long term toxic relationship with someone at that time. And so she was using our our house as the refuge from that mm-hmm. and it got to multiple times a day kind of levels over there and it was like hey I'd like to have my space back please uh, but that was like the extent of of it at that time it was kind of annoyance that went away when i when me and farah started getting together which is ironic because that's what mindy wanted was for me and farah to be together you know the, what she was trying to set up and that happened and then Farah and her had a falling out. And so it was strained between her and Mindy for a while there until like Mindy and her just stopped talking altogether. Mindy stopped coming over and I didn't hear hide no hair of Mindy unless I was out amongst mutual friends. And so wedding happens, all that. We're going about married day-to-day life. About two weeks after the wedding, he who shall not be named just drops off the radar. I can't get a hold of him. He has it called. Just ghosted? Basically. It was weird because I still work with your wife, dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, and we still have all of our other mutual friends. You know, there was no social media status at that time. Seeing he was active or not. <laughs> Right. He just wasn't responding to anything, wasn't calling me back and wasn't talking over email, wasn't coming over anymore. It was like he was just gone for a while there. I want to say like for a couple of months, 
I just basically just went about my life or whatever. And I got this weird email from him out of the blue one day that just said kind of almost like tongue in cheek. There was a picture of like Homer Simpson with a donut, a million apologies. Ahoy, hoy. <laughs> and then it was something to the effect of like, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll try to do better about the communication thing or something. And that was it. And it was like, it was basically just him being like, I'm, I, here's, here's a funny picture of Homer. I'm sorry. I ghosted you for these last months. <laughs> that was his olive branch. Right. This funny picture will make it all better. And yeah. it was weird. It was weird. It yeah. was really, really weird. And I was like, what the fuck? Also trying to do this new husband thing. What was your relationship like at that time with Farah? I mean, a whole lot of things happened fast. Mm. This whole thing started. But it started to unravel pretty quick, too. But the unraveling just took years. Yeah, it did. Our relationship at that time. It was the slow burn in reverse. It was. Um, <laughs> it really was. That's a good way to describe it. Yeah, yeah, it is. The first four or five months was definitely a honeymoon period. Nothing could go wrong. We're in our own little world. Fuck everybody else. It was all the things. As far as my perception was concerned, there wasn't any fights at that time. The sex life was good as far as I knew <laughs> or was told. All these other things seemed to be fine. And then got home from work one day. At the time, she did not have a job. She only had a job for a month while we were together. And that was at, not surprised. That was at Barnes and Noble. When we first got together, she was in school to be a dental hygienist. And then she graduated from that in the first month that we were together. And then tried finding a job with that for like a couple of months there and then was like discouraged for a while and then ended up abandoning that idea completely and worked at Barnes and Noble for 30 days. That's a good gig <laughs> if you can get it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, about that time, the first inklings of things getting weird was I had gotten home from work one day. She came and asked if I had remembered it was trash day. It was that classic thing. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. uh, trash day. Oh, <laughs> and um, <laughs> at that time, when Fred was the only one doing anything, the way things were in our domestic situation at that time was I didn't even really notice it was happening when it was happening. But I guess I was probably blocking a lot of stress at the time since fucking internet was slower. <laughs> I'm, I was more responsible. I was like, I did the trash and the dishes and the laundry and the sweeping and the cleaning and the everything and the bills. And I did all the domestic stuff like a hundred percent. And then also work for more than 40 hours mm. a week off. Cause I was like, totally, it's still in this, like I'm in the beginning of my career and I'm wanting to get into an actual agency and take this to the next level. And so the work became harder and crazier and more high stakes. So like I'm working now 80 hour weeks and then getting home and she's like, in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> and it was tough. <laughs> I took it for as long, as long as we could until there is, uh, I forgot trash day on this one particular crazy week and the expectation was that was my responsibility and I missed my day and she was screaming crying about it wow real quick and it was like the first time i had ever encountered that in a relationship setting that wasn't my mother mm. and it was 
Right. And it immediately triggered me and I crumpled into the floor into a fetal position and just did not listen to anything at all. Like I just completely crumpled because I was not even ready. I was not ready for that. I was like the first big blow up of anything. First screaming, the first episode. And what that was, was that she had stopped taking her medication for bipolar. And I did not know that. And here we were starting to have these moments. And so the things that were able to be held back before and restrained were now not. You didn't know she stopped her medication or you didn't know she was bipolar? Both. <laughs> she did not share that bit of information. No, no, no. There wasn't really time, though. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. The U-Haul. <laughs> Yeah. They hadn't got there yet. That wasn't her opener. <laughs> she didn't say it with like jazz hands that first She needed to lock it down. <laughs> right, right. The long and short of TLDR is I have complex PTSD from my childhood. Don't even have to go into that. But seeing something like that in that context, it totally, I was not ready. So I hit the floor. I'm in a position. The moment I do that, mm-hmm. she snaps out of it and feels terrible. Sobbing, upset that like, what have I done to you? Oh my God, like you're amazing. And I've done this. And oh my God, and I'm a piece of shit. And, and she gets into therapy over it. Nice. Like it was, it was something that we talked about at length for a few days after that. Because it was, I mean, it was an episode. First big thing to happen to me that was crazy since like that night with pepe and he and him leaving and then that was the first thing since the car accident and all that i was not ready for that kind of jolt and then on top of that well we just got married and my other best friend just goes to me and my other best friends living on the other side of the continent now and i might have married someone that i'm not compatible with but this is fine <laughs> I mean, it's fine. This is fine. <laughs> I can make this work. We'll just toss all my money at therapists. We'll just take every penny and throw it in the my mental health and and and, and hers too. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened for the next little bit. You both went to therapy? Both went to therapy. We weren't doing couples therapy yet. We weren't that place, but she was doing her thing and it was obvious that I needed to go address my stuff. And that was the first time in my life that I ever did therapy. I am forever eternally grateful for that experience. I learned very valuable things through that experience and starting that experience and going down that road. Highly recommend everyone do it, even if you don't have complex PTSD or any isms, osis or syndromes or what. Go go talk to somebody because we did the therapy thing. Things were okay for a while after that. We tried having kids. That did not work out. And I now know after years and years, years later that you know, why that didn't work out. During that whole time, like episodes kind of, even when she got on medication, episodes like, were starting to become frequent. It was starting to happen over little things. And this is even with the medication. So there was a time period there where we were trying out different meds and different strategies. She changed therapists at one point in there. I changed therapists at one point in there. And this next couple of years is like this weird bubble haze of isolation and therapy. Was her journaling a therapeutic method that she learned during that time? Or was that before? No, she always journaled. She did a lot of of creative writing anyway and so she always she came to the relationship journaling and so that was foreshadowing <laughs> yes so she yes my ex-wife liked to journal a lot but i was a good boy scout at the time and i did not invade 
for privacy like that and go into someone's journals just as I had my own things that I wrote and that were for me as such. Where did she keep those journals? Uh, on a bookshelf in our living room. Oh, so not hidden. So, so not hidden. Oh, okay. I question that. That seems like a manipulative move. Like, oh, yep. look at these things I'm doing. And at the time, like, I, there was nothing that even I gave a thought to. It was just, yeah, 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 yeah. They weren't labeled or they looked almost like they could have just been photo albums sitting there or whatever. So, but she did talk to you about not reading them, right? Let's not have the kind of relationship where you. Oh, oh, oh absolutely. Trust. So there's this couple of year period of time there where all my friends from that previous group, I just ended up kind of went our own ways. Mm-hmm. Part of it was that growing up stage. This is my mid to late 20s now we're talking about. So that happens inevitably anyway, as people go off and start families and things like that. But then also there was just some that just ghosted and that was it. Or there was ones that stopped calling as much. And if I called them, it was, you know, I wouldn't get to call back, you know, that kind of thing. So um, my friend circle shrank exponentially, dwindled to no one, <laughs> basically. Really, it was like maybe a once a year, twice a year kind of thing where I went and saw one of my male friends outside of there or any other friends for that matter outside of work. Was this because you were nesting with her or was it she didn't want you to go see your friends? Did you lose your friends because she didn't want that or it just sort of naturally? I'm glad you asked that because it reminded me of something there. Well, I have experience with this. That's why. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) It was a combination of the factors actually. Uh, Early on when that whole thing was happening with he who shall not be named when he was up at my house before I got home from work and that kind of thing <laughs> there was a prelude kind of incident where i went mm-hmm. over to his place to hang out for an evening and do whatever and that was f- a fine evening or whatever but i remember that the evening ended abruptly because ferris started texting me it was started off as like where are you what are you doing i was like i'm mm-hmm. what i said i was doing i'm in the chamber of lord voldemort <laughs> right what time do you think you're gonna what time do you think you're gonna be home and i'm like i don't know i've never answered that question to another adult before what <laughs> like, like, like it was just one of those like i'm going to hang out with my friend i'll be home when i'll be home kind of deals then that was usually how things always went before there was no need for that was the thing about this at night particular night that was like weird was why are you acting this way now when you didn't before i used to go over there all the time mm-hmm. or to other friends houses all the time and it was never a i'll be back at 11 yeah it was i'm an ass person and i'm not interested in drinking myself to the point that i can't drive because of my accident so i'll be a responsible person and be home when i be home and there was also that we were all mutual friends and so it's not anything shady going on but this particular night uh, yeah she just started blowing me up and it started becoming like very frantic i need you to tell me when you're going to be home i need blah 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 and i'm like i don't know we don't have plans i'm just hanging out and playing it by ear probably in the next hour-ish or so i don't know and and she's just like leaning further and further and further into it and like spiraling almost. I ended up like stepping away and calling her and being like, is everything all right? Just the disrespect and you're not telling me and I, I don't trust blah, blah, blah. And just really having a, uh, an episode, like a trigger, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, all right, well, fuck. And um, well, I'll just 
come home then. And that's that was that. That was a tactic. That Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been there. <laughs> At the time, it was, it, I remember like, I got home and was like, the fuck? I wasn't even coming in the house angry or anything. I was more concerned. That, that was out of pocket for how we act. And especially me going over to this house that I've gone over to with this person tons of times. Mm-hmm. Things like that happen every now and then. Yeah. Whenever I would go out and try to be autonomous, <laughs> essentially, something would come up. And I didn't, you know, even think about at the time because mm-hmm. as time progressed in our relationship, the frequency of her mental health episodes increased and her trigger events increased, which I was just trying to stay afloat by the time. Work was crazy. The relationship was starting to feel like, oh, is this reparable? But at the same time, I'm also uncovering all this shit in therapy and having to address, like, oh, yeah, I got all this mom stuff here. That's the reason for a lot of things. And I got to address that first. Mm-hmm. It became a lot eventually. I couldn't bear that cross any longer. Like it was starting to just eat away at me and it was starting to affect me at work. I was starting to get just angry and hot-headed at things that I usually just wasn't. I was losing my being funny, laid-back kind of personality. I was becoming this tense always tense always exhausted just shell of a person and basically her her episodes started to not only increase in frequency but increase in what was happening there was one day i'm coming home from work and she i called her up i'm like hey i'm coming home from work you want me to pick up anything for dinner and she's like no i got dinner working we'll see when you get here all right love you love you too i get home and she's sitting in the middle of the floor with a knife to her wrist Jesus. It was like that. It was like a, a, a switch was thrown. And what caused that? To this day, I don't know. I never got a reason for why that happened. Something in the 15-minute ride home from work got her to an existential crisis. But that kind of stuff happened, just started happening a lot more frequently. Mm. There was more medication changes, and then there was a period of time of no medication, and then there was no counseling. And eventually it got to where I think we need to do couples counseling, honey, because we had stopped having sex by that point about a year and a half in after we had tried having the, a baby and it didn't work for a few months uh, and then the episodes started happening more I was working more and all these things and it just was not happening I would try to initiate often be met with no and then eventually that turned into like you're not respecting my boundaries and then that got me just freaked out and I was like well I'm just not going to ask anymore because I don't want to be that kind of guy but is it healthy for me to go a year without intimacy is that right mm. in the first two years of marriage right I don't feel like (laughs) where's my friends I don't even have anyone to talk to (laughs) this it all starts hitting me basically yeah yeah the situation I'm in so we start doing couples counseling and I'm sitting there with our couples counselor look like Rhea Perlman I loved her (laughs) except she had no business being a couples counselor she was terrible at it but she was a hilarious charismatic great person person. She was very loving and nurturing, but don't offer to give me Reiki in the middle of my couple's counseling session. (laughs) I would love that. I'm like, I'm glad that works for you. (laughs) She's like, your root and your sacral is blocked. It was a lot of, it was kind of, have you tried purifying the air around you? You know, I'm like, uh, air. This bitch is in the middle of the kitchen floor with a knife to her wrist. This is not about my root chakra, Barbara. Have you tried Reiki? (laughs) 
stage is not going to work. We have a moment in couples counseling where I can't even remember what we were talking about specifically, but the counselor stops us dead in our tracks and looks dead at Farah in her face seriously and leans forward and just asks, are you having an affair? And I was like, skirt. Just out of the blue? Out of the blue. To her, all the symptoms were there. And I mean, she saw it playing as day, whereas I'm over here talking about trash day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the injustices of working 120 hour a week and being fussed at about the dishes. <laughs> goddammit. Mm-hmm. You don't work. I'm in there feeling like a crazy person trying to balance this. I'm not this guy. I don't know what the next move is. I got to this point where I did not know what the next right move was. I was paralyzed in my life. All I knew was that she was this force that I did not want to disturb. You know, I got to where I do not want to go rattle this cage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and at the same time, zero of my emotional or physical needs are being met. Sitting here having to think to myself, none of hers are being met either. How could they be? Mm -hmm. Unless... Are you having an affair? And I and I asked her. She, of course, she answered the counselor no, and and that was followed by the counselor going really, mm-hmm. and her doubling down, and then us on the car ride home, me asking, "Are you like really for real?" And me going as far as being like, "Look, let's just forget everything else that we've gone through and everything as human fucking beings walking this life for a very short period of time with at least some modicum of empathy for our, our struggles." in our journey together Mm -hmm. just just please be forthcoming about this one thing so we can just figure out where to go from here and at least live and deal with reality like fuck the reaction and fuck the fear and all that other stuff like i just need to know Mm -hmm. what is real because i don't know what's real right now everything is flipped upside down and she doubles down and says no i'm not cheated on you not once not never it's not like that i'm fucked up i'm fucked up yes but i've not done this fucked up thing to you okay and i'm like all right. At that point, I do not accept that. The trust is pretty much gone because I'm seeing all the things now at this point and starting to come out of this couple of year haze of what the fuck. And now I'm realizing actually this couple of year haze, I'm in year four. What happened? When did things happen? And I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't tell you to this damn day what I did in 2008 at a certain point in time. You know, I had to dig back through photos and shit to figure out what I was doing at that time, where I was working and all these things. It was wild. Mm-hmm. So her half-sister comes into town, her youngest half-sister. She comes into town to visit for a couple of days. She's hanging out, and Farah is the youngest half-sister, I should mention, also is like 17, so she's not like going out and partying or anything like that. She's just there at the house hanging out, chilling. Farah's just going out when I get home from work and just leaving. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... You just leave me here. But her 17 year old sister's there? But her 17 year old sister's there. And the 17 year old sister is looking at me like, y'all shit's fucked up. Out of the mouths of babes. Kids know. They know. I just pop up to 28, I think. And I'm like, Man, I need to. I, I ah, fuck. If the teenager is seeing it, then it's real. God damn it. Fuck. And this is family. This is her family. Yeah. She ain't done nothing wrong to her. So, what did I do? That night, like one of the nights that she was there, I think it was like the second night she was there, I went and I got.
journals and i start going through them and i mean she wrote every fucking piece of so like every every piece of it going back to before we were married she had been having an affair with he who shall not be named there was other people after him off in there she wrote at length about the whole thing she was never sexually attracted to me regretted ever marrying me basically got into a situation with a dude that she never liked but was too scared to get out of it her words and then strung me to fuck along for years trying to have a goddamn family with me all the while writing about how much she didn't want that i read all that of course i you know i I took it fine it was was... (laughs) (laughs) did you (laughs) this is fine and since all of your new therapy you knew how to calmly react to that I was a mess. I was a mess, and it and, I, and it scared the shit out of the seventeen year old. And I was not mad. The anger was not what hit first for me. It was crushing despair. It was the grief. It was the loss of all my friends. Mm-hmm. The loss of a life I thought I had knew. Mm-hmm. The loss of like every decision I had made was formulated around this lie. All these things like just hit at once, and it was just crushing grief. And I was just sobbing in bed. And Farrah came in, she had gotten home and had heard heard me having my fit in the bed. And the 17-year-old, by this time, had just ducked out and was like, nope. <laughs> and she came in the room and I just had the journals laying on the bed. And she just froze there. The gig is up. And I remember looking at her and I just said, I know and I can't believe. Like, why would you do that to me? Not even this one act, the whole thing, the whole fucking thing, the whole thing is a fucking lie. And you're four years in at that point? Yeah. Yeah. And her response was like, I'm sorry. It was just that one thing I always wanted to tell you, but I just didn't know how. And then I'm like, no, 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 no. I was like, fuck you who shall not be named. Like, I want to know why you married someone that you're not attracted to or like even. Mm-hmm. What am I here for? What mm-hmm. purpose am I serving? I need to know that. Am I some emotional therapy punching doll for you or? Or what? Or am I a paycheck? And that's it? And, and this whole thing is like, what? She had to suck your spirit to stay young. You, <laughs> that's true. I was about, that's more interesting than what I was going to say. I was just going to say, <laughs> so she needed you as her, your energy source. But I like this better. I like her as some sort of literal vampire. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't mean to make light of people's mental health struggles, but mental health stuff is not your fault, but it's your responsibility. You know, you can't just treat people like that for years and years and years because you don't have a handle on this Agreed. issue. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. We had that conversation. It was weird there for like, I was in shock for a first week or so. I don't really remember anything after that that well um which is wild for me i have like crazy trauma memory it remembers every piece of a trauma but there's moments around that that i just don't that whole time i'm still on the straight and narrow i'm not drinking or trying to go out and like numb myself to it i'm really trying to be in it and stick with the therapy (laughs) see this thing through because there was a part of me that knew my survival was at stake at that point it was such like a 180 from reality that i was really ready to check out in some ways what the fuck have i done to me for the longest time what i had to get past after that whole experience was that this feeling of having wasted my prime the absolute prime years of my life i just pissed away Mm -hmm. on this shitty toxic relationship because this person just didn't do the work that i was trying 
trying to do <laughs> and that's it and like that's as simple as it is it's just my you know my own demons led me into this path and then like we met on the same crossroads holy shit so uh, we coasted after that uh we did couples therapy a couple more times trying to pretend like we were gonna salvage this thing but by then like, it was obvious that things are never gonna be the same again we definitely still weren't having sex with no physical intimacy at all. That's probably why you don't remember. Your root chakra was blocked. <laughs> yeah. I, I was faithful for that three years. Not once, not ever in that three-year time. She was not once, mm-hmm. not never, <laughs> that entire time. Mm-hmm. So that there was lots of instances where she would have auxiliary friends from various places of her life, college, coming through town, or through people she met doing the dental hygiene school or she was doing makeup art models and things like that and photo shoots people that she would meet there and she would try to make friends and bring these friends and all my friends had abandoned me but she came to the relationship with only Mindy as her friend and once they had a falling out she had no friends so that's a red flag that I didn't really pay attention to either like you have no social circle at all Mm -hmm. and I am now it and I had a social circle and now they are not here. And so that's something to pay attention to, you know, but yeah, basically uh, things just kind of, we just drifted and drifted living together, but she was going out and I mean, it was obvious like when she was doing things like getting ready for a date and I'm not the one going out. Like I don't, it's not my, my Google calendar. I didn't, things like that were starting to happen. And then she had met this friend of hers that through doing the photo shoots and the modeling things, she, one of the models that she worked with she had become friends with there towards the very end this is five years in now and her fiance called me one day and left a voicemail and it said i need to talk to you about farah it's very important you call me back and i'm sorry but you don't know this person oh yeah i knew him i knew him but i hadn't known him known him they had only been around in our lives for maybe a month or two or you know at this point they were very superficial friends or whatever i wouldn't even at that time call them friends they're just people doing things with my wife that i didn't get to do with her (laughs) (laughs) you know anyway so i called him back and i was like yeah what the fuck he was like i just feel like i i would be a shitty person knowing what i know and not telling you and your wife has been cheating on you furiously for the last month and it's gotten so brazen in front of us like at first it was like low-key or at least she was trying to act low-key about it in front of us but then it just became more brazen now she's just bringing this dude around while we're trying to hang out and i'm like that's not your husband and i fucking know him what the hell i just feel like i need to let you know man i'm so sorry if there's anything i can do let me know i'm friends with him to this day on facebook we've kept up props to that dude you know yeah his his relationship with that person ended not that long after all that mess and we never were like tight or anything like that but we kept i kind of owe him you took one for the team you made your life a little uncomfortable to let me know yeah mine was about to be really uncomfortable and so that was it i was done at that point i'm out of here the anger finally took over from the grief and fueled my way through the whole divorce process she killed my cat Whoa, she killed your cat? Mm-hmm. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah, it was our cat, but I, I say it's my cat now to this day because you don't kill your cat if it's your fucking cat. We had this cat from a kitten. No. I think she was two when this happened, so a couple of years before the end there, because, you know, pets repair relationships, right? <laughs> <laughs> we can't have a baby. Let's have a cat. <laughs> I've had the void with fur. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it the min- linchpin of my mental health. Yes, yeah. 
And so uh, I did. When I got out of the house, when we filed the papers and all that kind of stuff, and it went down, basically there was a falling out. Like I said, I know that you're seeing another dude right now. I'm done. I'm like, I'm over this. I'll get like, I'm getting my stuff out of here. I don't give a fuck about you, what you do ever again, blah, blah, blah. You can keep the house. I'm out. And so I was going to go stay somewhere. I didn't know where at the time and all, but I was going to do something. I had a coworker that was offering to give me some help for like a couple of weeks there until I got on my feet. So I kind of had like a little place to land while I could just figure out something to do next. I had a job. I had a car. I uh, just need to get the fuck out. Basically, once word got out that I had separated and was out of the house, I had all of my old friends from years before that I had not heard from reach out to me and was like, we are so glad you're safe. <laughs> we don't know all that happened, but we know it was fucked up. And no one would have been able to tell me anything at that time, especially earlier on. It went through these phases of you can't tell me anything because you're just you're just jealous or you're just being a hater to please don't tell me anything because I'm in such rampant denial that it'll shred my reality to shreds if I know the truth <laughs> and that I know that you know the truth. <laughs> like all those kind of things. I got out of there peacefully. Yeah. Oh yeah, the cat. Oh, Jesus Christ. Like, see, that's, that's the repression. <laughs> I had gotten out of there. I finally got an apartment a couple of weeks after I got out of there. And this was my first place by myself. The first time I'd ever lived alone. So I'd always had roommates or something up until this point in my life. So I'm 29 years old, completely on my own, having just gone through all this mess. One of the first things I started doing was drinking again and going out to bars, which did not recommend at that time um but that's what i did i i could not bear that of uh, like it, it just broke me there for a short period of time like it totally broke me and i was going out and doing all kind of thing um i get a call one day from one of our former mutual friends me and pharaohs and she says i just was talking to Farah and catching up with her and it seems like I think she's going to have your cat put down today and I was like what and she like asked me some questions to like make sure she we were talking about the same cat and all and I was like yeah absolutely and she's like yeah she's got an appointment to, at Value Vet to have her put down for what is she sick and like she's like I don't know so I try calling Farah and it's like figuring out what's going on don't get anything completely ignored and I'm like well fuck that I'm going over there like <laughs> my name's still on the and I'm going to get my cat. Like, I'm not here for anything else. I don't care to cause a scene. I just want my cat. Like, you're not going to put my cat down until I see my cat. And if you're going to put my cat down for a good reason, I want to say bye, you know? And so I went to my mother-in-law's house. It was right around the block from where we lived, where Farrah was still staying at the time. Did you have a good relationship with your mother-in-law? It, it was okay. It was good enough. It wasn't a bad relationship. It was strained in the sense that she knew how her daughter was, but she also was powerless to it. And also or her own personal responsibility for it that came out in depression and such she was uh, an enabler but well aware she was a very intelligent person and very caring and compassionate person but also very aware of the situation and so it was strange there was always kind of a wall between us but she was always nice to me so there was that so I felt like I could go at least show up to her place unannounced and ask I was very sensitive to the optics of that kind of thing showing up as the ex guy like rrr, 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 rrr. you know i did not want to be like that we hadn't talked since the separation and all i just kind of walked down the alleyway where her house was and she was out gardening and so it was just kind of like waved hi and was like hey how's it going and you know she's like oh hey and we sat there and talked for a second and i was like what do you know about the cat and she was like yeah it's kind of sad and i was like about what 
And she's like, that she has to be put down. And I was like, why does she have to be put down? Well, she's peeing everywhere because of an infection or cancer or she's, no, she's just peeing everywhere. So have we gotten that looked at? Or she's like, well, no, she's just not stopping. Yeah, that happens when you don't have something looked at. And I just could not process that my cat was about to be put down because she was peeing inside. And the reason why the cat was peeing inside was because the cat was stressed because that house turned into a drug den after I moved out. There's a new dude and his friends and their people and pills everywhere and cans of alcohol and beer cans just stacked up against the walls and everything was not kept up. And Farrah was very much wanted everything neat and orderly, even if she was not the one doing that. She had no tolerance for dirt and dust and grime and things out of place. And this house had turned into a mess. And that was like the little bit I was able to see. I went over there, tried to get the cat back after my mother-in-law was not going to help or do anything about it. She was like, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I'm not getting involved. So I went over to the house and I knocked on the door and Farah saw me through the window and I could see in and it was just train spotting off in there. It was fucked up. It was really just jarring. That had never played a part in our relationship. There was not pills and cans of beer everywhere. So she saw me and yelled, go away. And then I just talking through the door. I just want the cat. And I here to start shit. Just want the cat. Just hand me the cat and I will be gone from your life for fucking ever. Please just let me have a cat. We've already divorced at this point. The the paperwork's done. So it's, it's filed and we're in the waiting period time for it to be done done. Right? In that 90 days or 60 days or whatever it was. Um, we're like in that time. <laughs> so that's when this is going down. I'm talking through the door and she just keeps saying, go away, go away. And then the next thing I know, cops show up. You call the cops on me for just trying to get my cat. So I like tell the cop everything that's going on. Totally cool with them. I'm showing my hands and all that. I tell them my address is on the mail. Still live here technically, but I'm not. We're separated. And like, but I just want my cat. Just want my cat. She's about to go kill my cat for no good reason. Like no health related reason. And the psychological reasons is temporary. Like I just need to get that cat into my house. That's it. It's my property, right? And the cop was basically like, that sucked, but you got to go. So I had to go and my cat got put down. She followed through with this. That was a very definitive moment for me. I remember the car ride home after that. When I left, she went and had the cat put down immediately after I left. She went before the appointment. (sighs) Poor cat. I got the call from that friend and she let me know that it it happened. She tried to, she said that she tried to stop her and that she couldn't. And that, you know, she was really sorry and felt like shit. She was really sorry for me, but she just wanted to, thought it was fair that I know. And so that was that. Yeah, that was the last crazy thing that happened between us. After that, I was in bars drinking like a crazy person for a month. I ended up reconnecting with Mindy. I ended up being in a five-year, very crazy, toxic relationship with her where we both took out all kinds of stuff on each other and we're not who we are to one another. And it was very sordid and traumatizing for everyone involved. I hit rock bottom as an alcoholic, ended up going into AA and have been sober now for nine years and have been married to a very lovely person for seven. Awesome. Yay. I've made it to the other side of it, but holy shit, it was close. I think I'll dumped out most of the All right. So Roxy, where do you fit into that? And that's where we leave you until next week when we hear more of Fred and Roxy's sordid tale. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it so much. If you want to support our show further, you can share our podcast with your friends, follow us on our socials at NGCOMPod, 
or sign up for our Patreon to help keep the show going with a donation. Or you can become a patron for exclusive access to bonus content and interact with us and other loyal listeners on our feed. Meanwhile, if you liked what you heard today, please leave us a positive review. If you didn't, no worries. Move on about your day. If you want to share your story on our show, please visit our website at ngcompod.com to fill out the contact us form. Thanks again for listening. 